Numbers 35, verse number 9. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye become over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee thither, which killeth any person at unawares. And they shall be unto you cities of refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation in judgment. And of these cities which ye shall give, six cities shall, ha shall ye have for refuge. Ye shall give three cities on this side of Jordan, and three cities shall ye give in the land of Canaan, which shall be cities of refuge. Somebody say, cities of refuge. These six cities shall be a refuge both for the children of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them, that everyone that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. Verse 25 says, And the congregation shall deliver the slayer out of the hand of the avenger of blood, and the congregation shall restore him to the city of his refuge, whither he was fled, and he shall abide in it unto the death of the high priest, which was anointed with the holy oil. But if the slayer shall at any time come without the border of the city of refuge, whither he was fled, and the revenger of blood find him without the borders of his city of refuge, the revenger of blood shall kill the slayer and shall not be guilty of blood because he should have remained in the city of his refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest shall the slayer return unto the land of his possession. I understand that was a lot of reading and there's a lot to unpack and probably some words that we'll have to define here directly, but that's okay. We'll take care of it. I want to talk to you this morning about abiding in a place of refuge. I feel the presence of the Lord here right now just talking about refuge. It's a place of safety. It's a place of mercy. It's a... Let's lift our hands and pray. God, I love you so much. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for what you've already done, what you've already accomplished. And I thank you for what you're going to do. Father, I ask that you will anoint me to speak exactly what you want spoken. Nothing more, nothing less. But let me speak exactly what you want spoken, exactly the way that you want it to be spoken. Talk to us. I, I want you to pray that right now, everybody in the building. Talk to me, God. Talk to my mind. Talk to my heart. Anoint me to understand and receive whatever it is you want me to understand and receive today. God, we thank you so much for it. We'll thank you in advance. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, will you clap your hands one more time unto the Lord. And you can be seated. We must have been standing a long time. We all like plopped at one time. <laughs> Cities of refuge. Abiding in the place of refuge. The city of refuge was one of six cities. Moses said, when you get to... The promised land, I want you to map out, I want you to choose three cities on each side of the Jordan River. And it will be a place where the manslayer can find refuge. So we need to unpack and define some of this stuff before we get very far. Genesis chapter 9 verse number 6 is maybe the first law that was handed to man for him to follow. Uh, it is immediately after the flood 
And in Genesis 9 and 6, it says, Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God made he man. It is actually the institution of capital punishment, what we would refer to as the death penalty. And God said, if you murder someone, then you are guilty and are sentenced to death. Now, I know that kind of rubs us the wrong way, but that's God's instituted law. That if you murder, then your penalty is death. If a person was murdered, the patriarchal law held that the deceased next of kin had the right to execute judgment. Had the right to execute justice. So if you murdered someone, then that deceased person's nearest relative had the right to come and execute judgment on the murderer. Man, we didn't just fall off a cliff, did we? We're going somewhere, I promise. And that person, the next of kin that was allowed to carry out the sentence of death in the murderer's life, he was referred to in Scripture as the avenger or the revenger of blood. He was there to take the life of the one that had murdered. And so the city of refuge was a place for the manslayer to go who had killed someone, what the Bible calls, unawares. In other words didn't mean to do it. The Bible gives some examples of that. uh, He says, if you are out cutting firewood, that's what we'd say in West Virginia, right? If you're out cutting firewood and you're trying to to chop this tree down or you're you're splitting it up and you don't have a wood splitter, how how many folks ever split firewood with a good six-pound or eight-pound maul? Okay, I'm not talking about a log splitter. All you had to do is run a handle. I'm talking about... Okay, all right, so I know who I'm preaching to. You know what I'm talking about. Did, did any of you folks ever have to have that, have that hickory handle, you know, that, that hickory handled wood splitter? And the head would be loose, and, and every couple blocks you've got to kind of bang the handle a little bit, drive that. Yeah, okay, so... But the Bible, this has been a, a problem forever, apparently, because it says if you're out cutting wood, and that hammer handle comes off the end of your hammer, hammer and it hits the guy and kills him, you didn't mean to do it. He says if you're out uh, somewhere, and, and for some reason you, you push a rock over a cliff... That sounds like Golly Bridge Glen Ferris preaching right there, doesn't it? You push a rock over a cliff and you didn't know there was somebody under that cliff and, and you kill them with that rock. Uh, if something happens and, and you didn't mean to kill that individual, but nevertheless, because of your actions, that individual lost your life, the city of refuge is for you. He said, before uh, the avenger of blood can catch you, before he can find out that you killed his loved one, you better get yourself to the city of refuge. It was a place to go for people who, who didn't mean to commit this crime, but nevertheless they admit, I did do it. And so they ran there. The city of refuge was there. So in case you accidentally committed this crime, before that mad relative could hunt you down and get you, you could find a place of safety and they would hold a trial for you. Does that make sense? Okay, and so that, that is the, the idea uh, of the city of refuge. It was a place where they could run for protection. Uh, I, I wonder if today we could expand that to our current situation and uh, admit that there are some of us that, are, that could say, I have messed up. 
I have, I have done some things that were wrong in my past. That I, have, I readily admit that I have messed up. I didn't mean to. But I need refuge. Because there is an avenger of blood that is going to come after us. One day death is going to come. And we better have a place of protection. We better have a place of mercy. We better have a place of refuge. We need a city of refuge for our lives. So can I preach for just a moment that God is our refuge. Psalm 46 and 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I'm glad He's very present. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that wherever I am, He's very present and I can lift up. When I need mercy, I can call on the only one who can extend true mercy in my life and say, God, I need your mercy. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the presence of God here. Uh, He is a very present help in time of trouble. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Uh, 2 Samuel 22 says, The God of my rock, in Him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised and so shall I be saved from my enemies. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you can call on that name that is above every name? For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run therein and they are safe. He said, David said this in Psalm 62, God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Aren't you glad you've got a God? That is a refuge in time of trouble. He is, he is a place in the time of a storm. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him whom I will trust. Well, let me, let me I got like three points today, but I, let, me, let me just give you a little minor point to start with. And that is this. Those cities of refuge were, if you look at them on a map they were easy for me to say strategically located so that they were easily accessed from any place within the promised land or on the other side of Jordan where uh, Reuben Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh where they lived they were strategically located so at any time you were not very far from refuge We need to live our lives in such a way that we are never very far from refuge. Forgive me for preaching like a church sign for just a moment, like a church marquee, but the marquee could read this. If you can't find God, who moved? We don't need to be very... We need to make sure that we're close to God so that if I stumble, Brother Pat, I can cry out to Him and He will lift us up. In fact, it says we need to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. He never has to be very far from one of us. Will you clap your hands if you're thankful for a God who is very present in time of trouble. So God is our refuge. But I I would like to preach to this church for a few moments that the church is a city of refuge. 
The church needs to be a place where people who have committed sin can come and find safety. Where they can come and they can find help. Where they can find mercy. Just elbow somebody and say, this is a place where people should find mercy. This is a place where people should find grace. This is a place where people should find help. This is a place where people should find encouragement. This is not a place where people should find judgmental looks. This is not a place where people should find condemnation. This is not a place... This is not a place where people need to look at other folks and say, well, if you hadn't done that and you hadn't done that. When I came to the living God, I knew what I was doing wrong. I didn't need anybody else to tell me what I was doing wrong. What I needed was a place where somebody would say, there's mercy here, there's refuge here, there's help here, there's deliverance. There is an avenger that's trying to get you, but there's protect. This ought to be the safest place in Fayette County. This building, this congregation, your conversation ought to be the safest place in this region. This is a city of refuge. Just imagine for me just a moment you can imagine that individual who committed that murder who committed manslaughter excuse me not intentional but they committed that wrong and they realized I am in jeopardy of my life right now and they would hightail it they would run with everything that was within them to get to the city of refuge there's folks that are in need of refuge and they are going to run to you we better embrace them with open arms. We better love them. We better let them catch their breath on our shoulder as they need refuge. Somebody shout, this is a city of refuge. You can be seated for a moment. History says that those cities of refuge, not only were they, were they located in strategic locations so that they were close if anything would happen, but it also says uh, that there were signs along the way that clearly marked refuge this way. So there was no confusion. There were signs boldly marked refuge. People should know that the church is a place of refuge. It's not enough for us to stand here, sit here inside these walls and say this is a place of refuge. This is a place where you can come as you are and we're not going to judge you. That this is a place where God's love... It's not enough for us to say that in here. We need to be signs that point the way. We need to be good advertising for the kingdom of God. God, help us. Somebody needs to know there is a place of safety. There is a place of mercy. There is a place of help. It's not me and it's not you, but where two or three are gathered together, Jesus said, there am I in the midst of them, and I know that He is our refuge. And so we need to be signs that clearly mark the way. You and I point the way to refuge. The other thing that I read this, uh, about the city of refuge in history, it says that the roads to the city were always in good repair. Isn't that interesting? 
But they wanted to make sure that the path was clean. If you were coming to the city of refuge, there weren't going to be any boulders in the way. There weren't going to be any potholes. Thank you. Thank you. Am I the only one that drives in West Virginia in this church? We should have stood to our feet and shouted right there. There's no, there are no potholes. There's no road slipping over the hill. Hallelujah. They made sure that the road was in good repair. There were no obstacles preventing them from getting to the city of refuge. And we better not have an attitude with folks that they think we don't want them in the city of refuge. There are no obstacles. I'd like to preach this message with the doors open. There are no obstacles to coming to the house of God. Every obstacle is removed. Let me say this. When they would show up at the city of refuge... They, they didn't have to explain everything. They didn't have to explain. Uh, that, how about this? We don't screen people before entry. You don't have to meet a certain criteria. You don't have to be a certain color. You don't have to be a certain economical stratus. You don't... It's for everyone. It's for everyone. It says that the child, the stranger, the traveler could come. You didn't, they didn't have to be a child of, of, of Israel. They could be a stranger. They could be a stranger. Anybody could get into the city of refuge. All they had to do was run to the city. And they were accepted in the city of refuge. Yeah, hey, the church is for all people, all generations. Paul said this, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, neither barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Can I put it this way? There's neither white nor black nor Hispanic nor Asian. There's not Democrat or Republican. There's not short, tall, skinny, fat. There, whatever your situation, the city of refuge is open to everybody because at some point, everybody needs refuge. That's why the Apostle Peter would say the promise is unto you and to your children and to them that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You see, to get into the city of refuge, nobody has to know your story. Nobody has to know your... We're not doing background checks up here to allow you into the city of refuge. It's a place of safety. Imagine them up here on the top of the wall of that city. Ah, here comes somebody. They look guilty to me. <laughs> Weren't they here last week? <laughs> oh, I know who that is. Yeah, I know I know who that is. I look at that one coming. Man, do you know what they did to me? Do you know what? She said, You see, they had to let everybody in the city of refuge, whether they liked them or not, whether they agreed with them or not. You're getting real quiet on me now. 
But there's people sitting in this room today, folks could have disliked you very easily before you came to God. Brother Tex, we were sitting around the dinner table the other day, and he, y'all love Brother Tex, he has a sweet spirit. He was talking about running from the cops on a motorcycle. Can, am I right, Brother Tex? Oh yeah. Hey, thank God I'm not, not what, not what I used to be. Can anybody shout into God and say, I'm so thankful that I'm not what I used to be. But such were some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so they are out there. And they're what we used to be. We need to fling the doors open and say, welcome here. There's change here. That, that beggar was sitting there in front of the temple that one day and uh, Peter and John came by he, they're late, and I can just imagine he's rattling that little tin cup he's rattling that little tin cup he, he's asking an alms can you give me an offering give me an offering and, and Peter he says well silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I unto thee he picked that man up by the right hand and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength and it says that he walked into the temple walking and leaping and praising God hey he was looking for a little bit of loose change. Peter didn't have any loose change, but there was some change dispensed near the house of God. This is a place where change is dispensed. And you can come here spiritually paralyzed. You can come here mentally paralyzed. You can come here with a past that's sketchy. But change is dispensed at the house of mercy. God, I'm so... Th oh, I wish somebody lift your hands or clap your hands or shout or something if you're thankful that you found a place that God dispenses refuge. Oh. We need to get off our wall looking down our nose at people and just open the door, open the gates, open our arms and say you're going to find love, you're going to find refuge, you're going to find it in the house of the Lord. You can be seated for a moment. Joshua 21. It's where they actually mapped out and named the cities of refuge. I'm not going to read all of them, but it's interesting to me the way that uh, Joshua records this. Joshua 21.13 says, Thus they gave to the children of Aaron, the priest Hebron, with her suburbs, to be a city of refuge for the slayer. Verse 21 says... They gave them Shechem with her suburbs in Mount Ephraim to be a city of refuge for the slayer. And he goes down through this list, names all six cities, and says, this city is given as a refuge from the slayer, the city and the suburbs. Six times the city and the suburbs. The suburbs was pasture land that surrounded the city up to one mile from the city walls. It was just a, a buffer zone, an area where the sheep could graze or, or they could grow all of that. I, I don't know. Anyway, it was, it, was this, it was this area outside of the city, the suburb. It was not within the border of the city, but it was outside the city limits. Why is it so significant that the writer records the name of the city of refuge and also mentions the suburbs surrounding? It is important so important that history explains how the rules of refuge were enforced. 
The city was a place of refuge, Brother Pat. But they enforced this in this way. That if a man was running for his life from the avenger of blood, and the avenger of blood was, was hot on his trail, if he made it to the suburbs of the city and was still running toward the gate of the city, he was safe even before he got to the city. Somehow the mercy of, of God extended beyond the city walls. And as long as someone was running in the right direction, God's mercy... Aren't you glad that even before you knew Him, His mercy was already reaching for you? But let me preach this for a moment, church of the living God. We need to make sure that we're extending mercy beyond the doors of this building. I, I, I. The, the prodigal son, he's, he's... Brother John and I were talking about it this week. There's so much stuff in that story to preach. But... The, that, that young man comes to his father and says, Father, I, I want my inheritance. I want the inheritance that falls to me. And so his dad divided the inheritance and gave that, that young man his inheritance. And the Bible says that he left his father's house and he went to a far country and there he wasted his living, on, or he wasted all of his father's goods on riotous living. He, he went out and, and he lived it up in the world and he realized when he finally got to the end of everything, my servants are better off in my father's house than I am here outside of my father's house. And so he says that he came to himself. He said, I will, I will go to my father's house. And I, somebody say, in the right direction. He's going in the right direction. He said, I will go to my father's house. And I will say to my father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but I will be like one of your hired servants. So he starts that journey back to his father's house. And the Bible says that while he was yet afar off, he was moving in the right direction. While he was yet afar off, it says the Father went and met him in the road. Church, we need to meet people in the road. We need to do more then hey, come be with us in service 10 a.m. on Sunday, 11 a.m. on Sunday, or 7 o'clock on Wednesday. We need to go meet some people in the road. We need to meet some folks in the suburb and extend mercy out of the city of refuge. Look at your neighbor and say, it depends on which direction you're going. See, here's how the... Here's how history says that this was carried out. Is that, is that if that individual was running toward the city of refuge, even though he hadn't made it inside, that refuge, that mercy, that protection was extended outside. And once he made it inside that city, he was safe from the avenger of blood. But if he ever left the city of refuge... That manslayer could be out there waiting. The, I'm sorry, not the manslayer. The avenger of blood. The avenger of blood could be out there waiting. And it says if he ventured out into the suburbs, the avenger of blood could take his life and not be guilty. In fact, history says 
that while they were running toward the city of refuge, even though they hadn't made it, they were safe. But once you'd made it to the city of refuge, if you'd so much as stick your head out the gate, the avenger of blood could take your life. It matters which way we are running. It matters which way we are running. I'm going to say it again. It matters. This is such... This is one of these biblical principles that's so ingrained in my spirit. I, I can't even explain it. But it matters which way that you're running. If you're in the church, we better make sure we're still trying to grow. We're still trying to get closer to God. We're still trying... Because once we make a decision, I don't think I'm going to do that. It doesn't matter if you've made it outside the suburbs. It matters which way that you're going. That prodigal son, I'll talk about him again. When he said, Papa, give me my, give me my inheritance, he walked away and the father never reached his hand out to try to keep him in the father's house. But when he turned and said, I'm going to go back to my father's house, the father, Phillips Craig and Dean's song, Mercy Came Running. If we're going toward God, He's coming toward us. But if we're headed the other direction, God will not hold you captive. God will not make you serve Him. God will not make you consecrate. It matters which way we're running. There's a leper named Naaman in Syria. He's a heathen. Somebody say, he's a heathen. I'll say it like you got a little contempt for him. He's a heathen. He's an idol worshiper. He's, he's Naaman the Syrian. He, and there's a little maid in, in Syria that says, hey, I'm... You're, you're a leper, but, but I know a prophet in Israel that if you'll just go, he'll pray for you and you'll get healed. And so Naaman loads up and he goes to the prophet and the prophet says, just go dip seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be all right. And Naaman was mad. But Dwight Naaman's mad. He's like, he couldn't even come over and wave his hand over me or something. He didn't come out of the house. He just said, go dip in the river. And and somebody says, hey, if he'd have told you to do something hard, wouldn't you have done that? Go dip in the river, man. He's like, okay. So he goes down, and he dips in the river, and God restores his health. He's a heathen who's mad at the preacher. But he's coming toward God. Gehazi is the servant of Elisha. After Naaman gets healed, Naaman comes to the, to the preacher and comes to Elisha and comes to Gehazi and says, hey, I'm so thankful that God's healed me. Let me give you a big offering. I'm going to, give you, I'm going to, I'm going to take you down to Byron's and let you go on a shopping spree. He said, I, 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 got, I got all this stuff. I, I, <clears throat> I'll give you these changes of garments. I'll give you gold. I'll give you, I'll give you all this stuff. I, I want to hook you up and set you up real, real good. You, you won't have to take up another special offering. Preacher, it'll be all right. And Elisha says, it's, nah, I'm good. It's not a time to receive offerings. And so Naaman departs. But, but, but Gehazi says, ah, you know what, I think I'll follow that guy with the, with the Coles gift cards. And so he follows Naaman and, and he says, oh, hey, hey, Naaman, Naaman, Naaman uh, Papa, he changed his mind. 
Can we have a couple of suits and, uh, and, and, and some folding money? And, and Naaman says, oh, absolutely. That. And Gehazi comes back to the little hut where Elisha and Gehazi were staying. And when Gehazi opened the door, Elisha says, where you been, man? And uh, Gehazi says, oh, you know, I've been around. <laughs> and Elisha says, did not my heart go with you? It's not a time to receive gifts. And that leprosy that was on Naaman is going to cling to you today, Gehazi. Why was it that a heathen who was angry at the prophet could get healed, but the man who should have been the heir to Elisha should have been the one third in line from Elijah's anointing. He should have been catching Elisha's mantle. Why was it that he got curse with Naaman's leprosy whenever he was that close to the man of God. It's because it depends on which way you're running. Gehazi was used of God. Study this out. This is an interesting study, Brother Brad. Study out the miracles that Elisha did. He didn't do hardly a one. He delegated. He'd say, Gehazi, go over there and do that. Gehazi, go tell him that. Gehazi, he was used by God in a powerful way. But whenever he turned and started to walk the other way, the curse of the mercy of God was no longer available to him. Why? Because it matters which way that we are going. God help us. God help us. God help us. Why don't you stand to your feet? Look at your neighbor, tell him it matters which way that you're running. God comes to Abraham. He says, will I, will I, will I tell my, my friend Abraham what's in my heart? And, and so he tells Abraham, I'm going to go down to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm going to see if it's really as bad. I'm going to go see for myself. He pronounces judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And the angels go to Lot's house and they say, you better get your wife, you better get your kids, and you better get out of this place because judgment is coming to the city of Sodom. And it says that judgment had started to fall and Lot and his wife lingered. And so as Lot and his wife lingered, it says that the, the angel of God grabbed them by the hand to bring them out of Sodom. He said very specifically, Brother Pat, don't look back. And so here comes Lot, here comes Lot's wife, here come his two daughters, and they're coming out of the city of Sodom. And as they are leaving, fire and brimstone are falling on the city of Sodom. And as they are going out, and they're holding hands with the angels, Lot's wife turns. And it says she, it's not that she glanced back. She wasn't observing what was going on. The word means that she turned and longed to go back. Brother Anderson, she's holding hands with angels. But it matters which way that we're turned. God, I don't know about anybody else. But I need refuge. 
and whether you have been in the church since the carpet was laid and before or you just walked through the door today we better make sure that we're running the right direction because if we're running the right direction there's a father that is coming to meet us but if we're running the wrong direction we're going to wither we are going to be spiritually cut off we're going to end up being spiritual lepers like God help us to run the right way because there is a city of refuge I wish you'd throw your hands in the air right now and begin to talk to the Lord